What's up, everyone? My name is Jess Grace Garcia, and I am a worship pastor, music producer, and filmmaker. And I really learned how to, like, let loose and, like, be me in a gay bar, like, within the past, like, year and a half. Like, right before, right before COVID hit, right before pandemic, in in the first year, first couple of months of, I say the first year of 2020 because January. Um <laughs> I really learned how to let loose and be me, which I, which I absolutely love it for. So what about you? Awesome. I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, and my body used to have a lot in common with gay bars, like filled with alcohol, um, open till 2 a.m. on the weekends, <laughs> and always carded people before entry. No! You're welcome. That is so good. When did you think of this? <laughs> On the drive over here. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Sometimes your like skills at comedy like astound me. That was so good. Thanks. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. But I can still appreciate the fuck out of you. Um. So it's it it. I love the fact that um. I'm gonna share a story. I'm just gonna say you know y'all know what we're talking about. Y'all saw the title. Uh, <laughs> But wait, what if people don't know what a gay bar is? Oh, all right. Then I'll share my my story after. Let's explain. What's a gay bar, Jack? Um, that's a good question, Jess. I actually don't have a, a def, definition ready, but it's like, uh, I feel like we say gay bar when we mean either bar or club, maybe mm-hmm. like leaning more towards club. Yeah. And it is, it caters to... LGBTQ people in one way or another. Like there are gay bars with lots of different vibes. Like there are bars that are more for queer women and there are bars that are more for like twinks Mm -hmm. and there are bear bars and leather bars. Like there are lots of different kinds of gay bars, just like there are lots of different kinds of gay people. I feel like there's always something in common, which is skin. Like there's always oh yeah, lots of skin. <laughs> <laughs> there is very scantily clad humans dancing, um, like and being hired to do so at most of these uh, gay bar experiences. Oh yes, I prefer the gay bars with go go boys. Yes, <laughs> me and too. Go go women, go go non-binary person, <laughs> anybody willing to mm-hmm. take their clothes off so I can put a dollar in their waistband. Yes. <laughs> Um, so that's our definition of gay bar. What was one of your like first experiences? Wait, you have a story. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say that this past, um, this past week, uh, a friend of mine came and visited, um, from San Francisco and, um, she is, um, an entrepreneur and doing really well for herself now. And we realized we hadn't seen each other in six years. And after having lunch and not um, get having enough time, the three hours that we had with each other, we needed more time. Mm-hmm. She got us a hotel room in WeHo 
And after hanging out for a little bit, we we walked down to um, Santa Monica Boulevard, and um, which is right, like just the heart. Gay mecca in yes, Los Angeles. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we were just going to get a couple slices of pizza, which we both, I think, knew we weren't going to just do. Mm-mm. We were like a we were <laughs> a stone's <laughs> throw away from the Abbey, um, which is a definitely a tourist, like a first time attraction for WeHo. But it's a fun time. And it was our um, it was my first time being in a gay bar since uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, it was glorious. It was absolutely fantastic to be surrounded by other queer bodies and just dancing our hearts out and sweating it up. And I got a vodka tea um, and I forgot how heavily, heavily those pores are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, they should be heavy pores. How much do they charge for drinks? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I was like, I was sitting there like, like drinking, drinking it down and remembering that I was a cheap date and ended <laughs> up um, staying the night um, at, uh, we, I think we danced for like an hour and then headed out. And um, we, you know, I stayed the night with her cause I was like, I was, I was like, I, I can't drive home. <laughs> <laughs> I am a cheap date. Uh, one drink I'm done. Um, but I ended up uh, having just a really good relaxing weekend and staying uh, the next day out on the rooftop bar um and uh staying by the pool for like six hours which i'm paying for i'm like peeling right now from all the burn that i got (laughs) um but it was really nice and i love my friend savannah for treating me to that and um part of that um was just really fun to like take my straight friend to a a gay bar and um and have them kind of see me in my element you know Mm. like i most often see her in her element which is like being a speaker or a panelist or like, you know, brilliant marketing or Bitcoin mind. Like she's just cryptocurrency, all these things she knows so much about. She's like always so, um, so much like the, the heart of things, but like she was just celebrating me mm-hmm. by coming. And, and, and part of that was by seeing my, me and my element flirting with everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just be honest. Everyone. That is at your the natural Abbey. environment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I had a really great weekend. That sounds wonderful. It was. Glad you had that opportunity. Now we have to take all our friends and go because... I can't wait. I haven't been back to the bars yet. <sighs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And like anytime anyone comes and vis- visits us in LA, it's like that's... Especially for our queer friends. Like we have to take them, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. like the only other place that I've been that had an amazing queer experience was Miami. Queer bar oh, yeah. experience. Yeah. But let's talk for a second. I would love to hear, Jack, about your first gay bar experience. Because I feel like for those of us who have come from evangelical and Christian backgrounds, most of the time when we went to our first gay bar, it was in, in the closet. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell me about your first gay bar experience. It was when I was living in Illinois, in Wheaton, and I was like, Freshly out of the closet. And I went to this bar. I think it's called Phoenix. Like out in the middle of nowhere. Like beyond the Chicago suburbs. Like beyond the exurbs. Like almost in cornfields. It was like the closest gay bar. And it was very unsatisfactory. Like it was awkward. 
it was on a weeknight because I didn't know any better. Like <laughs> I didn't have any queer friends at this point. I had no one to like, you know, usher me into the sacred mysteries of freedom. And I don't know. It might have been on the website. I just missed it. Probably not because like I'm a girl who does her research. <laughs> um, That's true. But it was Latin night, which would have been great if I spoke any Spanish. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. And there was a drag show. And the queens were amazing. I didn't know any of the songs. <laughs> so, um, oh, my God. I want to go to a Latin night drag show night. Looking back, it was it was very interesting. At the time, I was very like overwhelmed. Oh, and, I bet. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. Your fo- first exposure is that. You're like, yeah, that's your definition. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. How about you? What was your first gay bar experience? I think I'm trying to remember. I think it was a gay bar that doesn't exist anymore in Baltimore. And I'm totally not. It's like there. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember what it was called. Um, and I was there because I was shooting something. I remember I was able to get in because I was shooting video for something. And I was out, but I wasn't comfortable yet with the idea of like, of you only find the gays in the bars. This was this thought mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. that I had was like, you only find the only place that people are out and queer and you can find them is by going to the bars, which is not true, but it was what I thought back then. And um, I remember just being really overwhelmed with how different I felt from them Um, and seeing like a drag performance, but really loving that, thinking that was really cool, but um, feeling really different. Um, Now it's like, I go into a queer bar and I feel like I've just walked into a huge family reunion. And that's, that's been, that's like such an interesting difference of, of a stark difference Mm -hmm. (laughs) of feelings. Um, But that's what I remember. I, and I remember, but I also remember feeling like more accepted there than many spaces. Like people didn't really know, who I was and yeah. I remember getting flirted with a girl and feeling like wow <laughs> someone someone just straight up flirted with me <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh uh, and I thought that was kind of cool um but that's 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 what I remember about my first gay bar experience it was pretty close to the first time I went to a pride mm. too and similar feelings I wish I could take away that feeling of like uh, how closely uh, tied I felt um, about because let me let me preface all of this by reminding everyone that my my parents um, met in AA, <laughs> so mm-hmm. they had both been addicts, um, and alcohol wasn't allowed in our house or near us. Um, and I was I was twenty one when I had my first drink, and I've never been drunk, so I had a very strong emotion about the way that I saw addiction and, and alcoholism. And I 
sure. may that had that correlation of queer community very tied to that. And so it was a confusing emotion about it all. Mm-hmm. I'd wanted to get to that topic at some point. Maybe we should just talk about it now. How like the designated queer spaces mostly center around alcohol. And Pride was not that long ago and like a lot of the corporate sponsors are the big like official pride parades are like absolute vodka and other mm-hmm. like alcohol companies and <clears throat> addiction is really common to or in the queer community like substance abuse of alcohol and drugs like it'll happen when it's as hard to just live your life as it is for queer people in the world. Yeah. And I really appreciate you and also my wife have done a really good job of like helping me to process that and to understand um, that alcohol itself is not inherently evil. Mm -hmm. And which I think I understood to a certain point, um already but then the idea of like because someone becoming an alcoholic does not make them evil it means right. that they are reacting to some trauma they're trying to soothe some trauma that they've experienced mm-hmm. and that's why they're using the substance of alcohol it's so readily available and it really frustrates me as much as i appreciate having corporate money (laughs) spent um for us it doesn't feel like it's for us it feels like it's hurtful it can be hurtful to us Mm -hmm. you know while there's still so much trauma tied to our community you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah the queer community sometimes especially in larger cities can be a hard context to live sober. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's such a hard line to draw, uh, to draw for um, those of us that, that can enjoy, you know, like I enjoy having something like having that, that heavy pour of the vodka tea as a, mm-hmm. from the story I told earlier, because it allowed me to loosen up a little bit and, and be more comfortable with um, expressing myself physically, which is one of the, like through mm-hmm. dance, which is something that I have um, because I'm not good at it. Like I'm not good <laughs> at dancing. And so I want to be great at everything I do and, and I'm never going to be great at dancing. Um, um, maybe I should say never. I shouldn't say never because I still have my dreams. Um, <laughs> but like having having something, having a little bit of alcohol was helpful for me to be able to kind of loosen up and like mm-hmm. and be more true to myself mm-hmm. and um, and feel some freedom in this like tight box that I've created for myself when it comes to how I express myself physically. Um, so I can appreciate it for that, but if all of a sudden I went and every time that I went, I needed to have a drink 
or I needed to have a drink every day, all of a sudden, like then I would be like, oh, okay, maybe there's an issue. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a, um, it's a hard, it's a hard place to be in. So I don't, I don't necessarily, um, just as a reminder, I don't think it's, you know, that drinking is a bad thing. I just think that, um, it is something we should acknowledge in our community as being something that, um, is, um, can become something that's hurtful, you know? Yeah. I feel like for a lot of us coming from more conservative backgrounds, like a, a freer approach to alcohol and maybe other substance substances is part of like the liberation we experience coming out and leaving those more conservative spaces. So like sometimes like drinking more for us is a way that we become like more healthy, less like living according to mm-hmm. like repressive kinds of morality they're trying to leave behind. That's a really good point. But like you said, it, it can be harmful. Um, in a lot of queer spaces, people talk about how there should be, it'd be really helpful if there are more sober queer spaces. Like here in LA, there are, I think, a couple like queer coffee shops, bookstores. I know like one um, that had been around for a long time closed during the pandemic, which sucks. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Like, right? Like, like it's, it's okay for us to say we don't know what to do. Gay bars are smart. And like yeah. absolute vodka, they're smart. Like yeah. we love ourselves a martini or mm-hmm. vodka soda. We love ourselves a vodka soda. Right. Or a stereotypically gay boy drink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and these places stay open because we'll go there to be with our people mm-hmm. and like spend $8 on a fucking vodka soda. 14 14 Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Fourteen's a lot. <laughs> That's how you you just have to be super poor. This is how we stay away from being <laughs> alcoholics. Is we can yeah, only have I one mean, drink. I've, can afford I've one been drink. drunk, but never at a gay bar because nope. I'm like too cheap. Yeah, like I'm six six in heels. I'm Irish and I'm a drag queen. I have kidneys of iron. It takes a lot to get me drunk, and I I just don't have an. I can't afford to be drunk in West Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, true true that yeah one of the things that i think is important to bring up about gay bars is um is the history right like Mm -hmm. where we're at historically with gay bars um like there's gonna be let's just say this there's gonna be pros and cons to everything right yeah and um and the the con was what we just talked about but one of the one of the beautiful things about gay bars is how long they've been around and what they've what they've Mm. endured and what they've been for our community. And a lot of times they've been just the only place that you felt safe being who you are. 
Yeah, and sometimes it's literally the only place that yeah you could be safe to be who you are. Like Stonewall in New York City, like it, it was run by the mafia at the time, and like they like basically turned a blind eye to like all the gay shit that was going on inside, and we thank them for it mm-hmm. because it was illegal for men to dance with each other for women to dance with each other and gay bars were a place uh not 100 percent safe because there were like police raids and things but uh, a relatively safe place where people could be gay in public in an era where you could be arrested for doing that mm-hmm. in a different bar and in a place, because we all need community and we all need to know people who, um, especially those of us from from minorities, minority groups, you know, like friends of mine who, you know, are people of color who've been adopted into white families and been raised only in white communities have this innate like desire to know other people of color because they want to understand their, the, their culture, their community, like what they come from. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true for queer folks. Like if we've been in only straight society for, you know, all of our lives and only been exposed to mostly straight people, and we haven't really known any other queer folks, then where are we going to find them? You know? And like, right. especially if we were in the sixties or the fifties or whatever, like it's going to be, worth the risk of a police raid Mm -hmm. to go and not just be true to ourselves, but to meet other people who are like ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I was in the closet and like before I had a stroke, became disabled, I thought I was like in the majority. I thought that you know, all the white, straight presenting, cis presenting people were just like me. But like, I never felt at home in those spaces. Like, mm-hmm. I always knew that there, that I had truths inside me that the people around me didn't share and couldn't handle knowing. Mm-hmm. It, it's impossible to feel at home when you feel like if, if somebody really knew you, like they would hate you, they would cast you out, maybe do violence to you. Like I never knew belonging before gay bars. Yeah. I I think I think the other thing that's interesting to think about right now is we're in this really unique time and space where we we're down to like I think there's someone told me a statistic. It might be totally wrong and please correct me if I'm wrong, but like down to like only less than a hundred, you know, gay bars nationally. And, um, yet there's, or maybe it's just less than a hundred in the state of California. I'll have to verify this with my friend, but it, it was, it's interesting to think about like 
how many more gay bars there were even 20 years ago because they were necessary, the, the needing that safe space. And I think we've gone, we're going through an interesting shift that is both positive, again, pro and con of this is both positive, but having a negative, but also having negative effects, which is the positivity of um, the reason why we are, we have less gay bars is because people are feeling more accepted in general society. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're, they're comfortable going to non queer bars um, and being themselves. Right. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's great. That's great. Yeah. But because they're not supporting the queer bars financially, lots of gay bars, lesbian bars specifically and gay, gay bars specifically are, are going under mm-hmm. because they can't survive. They can't survive financially without the support of this community who mm-hmm. at one point could only ever go and be themselves in these spaces. Right. And so what's hard is that there is still a need and a desire for gay bars. It's just um, we're at a weird place where we don't really see that. Mm-hmm. We don't see that need until it's being taken from us. Right. Right. And all of a sudden we don't have access to it. We're going to be like, wait a second, where did my queer space go? Oh shit. I should have supported it. Right. Right. (laughs) And like, we're, we're just in a really weird shift right now as a society that I'm just really curious about how that's going to result. And I hope that it results in us eventually having more queer spaces. And maybe they're just like, maybe it's not the gay bar quote unquote, Maybe it's the gay coffee shop and the gay, like maybe it's more than just spaces that have alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe that's the kind of shift we're seeing. Um, but we definitely still need safe spaces um, for not just our older queer folk, but our younger queer folk, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even as, queer people become more accepted in American society. There's still something irreplaceable that gay bars offer. Like when you're like in the closet or fresh out of the closet, there's something about going to a place like the Abbey that uh, it's not wide open to the public because they like card you before going in there mm-hmm. is like a a barrier sure to entry that makes it feel more private than like i don't know a lot of a straight a lot of straight bars right um and because of because of that and because of how how many queer people there are it just it feels safer to be yourself because like if you're in, in the closet going to a gay bar like you're not going to be found out by your yeah. straight coworker unless they're the sort of straight person who is cool enough with queer people that they go to a gay bar. Right. Like it's just safe to be gay in that sort of space in a way that it wouldn't be safe to be gay at a straight bar. And like, even for those of us who are fully out, it's hard to know like what the vibe of a straight bar is going to be like, Am I, if I go in a dress and heels, will I be physically safe? You I don't always feel like I can know in a straight bar. Where was it? I think we were we were celebrating a friend's birthday 
and we went out of town. We went like out out of downtown, like um, mm-hmm. and we went to like a really late night like donut shop that that's been around yeah, yeah. for a long time. Do you remember when we stopped? Because we were just we had to use a restroom. Mm-hmm. We stopped at like a really really tiny hole in the wall bar, mm-hmm. and all of us were pretty queer. Like all of us were very queer. Yeah. And we walked in the door and we realized we might not be in the safest place right now. Mm-mm. And because we're in LA, we've, we had like had a shift of our privilege. Like if I drive into like, you know, like I drove across, you know, the country, went to Alabama to pick up my girlfriend. Like there was a very big awareness of every time I stopped at a gas station, I wanted to be at a bigger corporate gas station because I just didn't want to have a big, like, you know, experience. Um, right. And because I've had bad experiences before, I don't think I've shared them before, shared it yet, but mm. had really bad experiences. Um, and so when we walked into that little hole in the wall bar and we were like, fuck <laughs> this is a very white very biker bar are we safe here right. i just pretended like we were super fucking safe and that we were i was just i was just like i'm here i'm being audacious i need to stay being audacious but also let me safely get my friends out of here just in case mm-hmm. that was such a weird experience do you remember that yeah i think about that a lot I remember like like you and I are the the mom bear and papa bear. Mm-hmm. Um you're the papa bear, I'm the mom bear. Exactly. And group. And so I remember like noticing myself like putting myself between like our group and like the rest of the bar. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have to go through me. Yeah. <laughs> but like it at some level, it felt like, I don't know if it's necessary. Uh, it turns out not to have been necessary. It felt sort of necessary. It felt prudent. Like, mm, no, let's take this precaution so that, like, if somebody gets attacked, it, it's me. It's me before one of our gay bees. Yeah. What's interesting is a couple of the people in our group we're very clueless to this. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they yes, were. I'm, I agree. I'm glad that you and I like didn't clue them in to it so that they didn't have to feel what we felt. Mm-hmm. It's just a reminder to me of why we need these safe spaces mm-hmm. and like maybe it's that for the big cities you know or i i kind of i've half fleshed out this idea so bear with me um sure. <laughs> listeners as well as bear with me jack <laughs> um which is that maybe some of the big cities you know oftentimes people say big city cities are like a decade ahead of like small towns you know mm-hmm. That maybe small towns definitely, definitely still need gay bars. And maybe big cities will be okay with just like one or two gay bars. Um, I don't know, because I just don't think it's a like, uh, what's the term? 
a sweeping need like because mm-hmm. like in downtown LA we could probably walk into most places and feel pretty pretty safe um in certain areas of downtown LA right yeah yeah um but if we were to go just a little bit outside of LA um we immediately were reminded of the need for a gay space mm-hmm. right I just think about for those people that live in those tiny places, like, oof, we really need gay bars. <laughs> we really need them. Yeah, but unfortunately, the small town gay bars are probably the ones more at risk or that probably been closing mm. more often because, like, you know, economics, supply and demand. Like, there are a lot of very out, very queer people in Los Angeles keeping a lot of these bars going. Yeah, I feel like the the other the other downside is the small towns like those of us that grew up in the small towns moved to the big cities because right. um you know, it was a little easier in some ways, you know, and this is one mm-hmm. of the ways. Mm-hmm. Not financially. Oh no. <laughs> no. It'd be it'd be so much cheaper for me to live back in Modesto where I'm from like Ruralish yep. Northern California, but you get what you pay for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to I wonder if if our listeners have thoughts on this. I, I bet you they have much more many more thoughts on it because I've I've thought about it so much. Like where we're at right in this moment just seems like such an interesting thing. Like what what could mm-hmm. we do to support our um our gay bars you know and like and maybe we don't we're saying bars in quotes let's just be honest guys because what we really mean is just like gay safe space yeah right like what can we do to support those places like me and um my my co-producer we went to um hamburger mary's um for the first time i'd never been to a drag brunch we went this weekend they're magical it was amazing I was like, I want to come here every day. Um, and I wish I had the money to buy their $50 um, margarita every time um, <laughs> and support them because what they're doing is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've been around for a long time. They mm-hmm. found their way. Yeah. But what can we do to support these kinds of spaces, you know, so that they don't shut down i get with pandemic it's like hard because that was just the way that it was and we lost some but some are coming back mm-hmm. they're finding their way back yeah that's a good question i think one way is to get a, our friend group together and go to weho yes fun and supports our local queer economy well and it's it's safer right because there are a few people that like I think, you know, the last couple times that we've gone as a group, even though it was before pandemic, like people who had never um, been drunk or never like been tipsy or like whatever, like, like we're able to kind of like really let loose and have fun and like mm-hmm. feel safe because we were there to care for them. Yeah. You know, and, and there was always a couple of sober ones in the group so that we knew like, we'll make sure that everyone stays safe, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And um, it's, it's, 
the me going with Savannah this last week it felt so weird because I'm so used to being surrounded by my posse. I was like, <laughs> I was like, it, it feels good to bring the party to the party, right? Like, <laughs> where are my backup dancers? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like getting getting a group together and going like once every couple of months if or more often if you want to, but like it's it's a great way to support. I think another another thing is just like when it comes to queer owned businesses in mm-hmm. general. Like if you don't feel like like if you have like weird ties or um or you know, you come from, you know, um substance abuse backgrounds or whatever like mm-hmm. you don't want to support a bar there are other ways to support queer owned businesses you know right. um and i think we have to remind ourselves as i'm sitting here looking at my starbucks we have to remind ourselves <laughs> of the big corporations that are doing just fine and, mm-hmm. and go and and support the 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 small owned businesses that are queer owned mm-hmm. you know although one could do worse than going to starbucks true like uh, (laughs) august told me that a lot of trans people will get jobs at starbucks because they'll pay for transition that's right i forgot about that i I think that's amazing like they don't have to do that but they do that and i love that that's true i do that's great to give that shout out where you know starbucks you can sponsor us It'd be great. Um, yeah, like Starbucks is, is is one of the you know halfway decent corporations out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, then there's places like like okay, I'm not gonna go to Chick Fil A for for you know my sandwich, no matter how delicious it is. Oh, so fucking delicious. There are other delicious sandwiches out there. I get that I'm a vegetarian, but I was upset, guys. <laughs> Part of me getting over my addiction of Chick Fil A was becoming a vegetarian. <laughs> um and and it's funny because i just had um i went to a little uh hole in the wall vegan place in um los feliz uh called green what was it green leaves they make like my favorite ever vegan um chicken sandwich spicy chicken sandwich and i'm like i was like yeah like i'd take this any day you know what i mean now i just wish they were queer owned (laughs) 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 but i feel much better about supporting that but that's one way like that you can um, there's a few ways you can support, you know, small queer owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Who's um, if y'all I, I'm going to do a couple shout outs right now just because I feel like this is like perfect timing. Like um, I was really like I'm thinking about one of our friends um, who um, has um, a sticker shop and also does like more than just stickers, but stickers are kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Art of Marza. Right. That's how you spell it. Yeah, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-R-Z-A dot com. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful um, artwork done um, from, you know, queer-owned business. It's just a beautiful business. Um, Yeah, a lot of Christian iconography with whimsical little twists, um, some gay twists. I literally don't know anyone who hasn't, like... um, gone to their page and been like holy shit this is good <laughs> like like total atheist people who've moved on from the faith are just like damn <laughs> like like i love following your stuff like it's kind of like so so proud of them so proud of them mm-hmm. um but but yeah i'm just like like we we grieved the loss of what flaming saddles this year 
beautiful country western kind of gay bar mm-hmm. in West Hollywood where the boys would dance in just jeans and boots and cowboy hats. Ugh, so hot. Sergey, if you're listening to this, <laughs> drop I think me your this Venmo. is the second time you've mentioned Sergey. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I can digitally put a dollar into the waistband of your underwear again. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Tell us, you know what, like message us and tell us your, um, your favorite gay bar, um, locally, wherever you guys are at or queer owned business. How about that? A little more broadly. Tell us your, your favorite queer owned business. We'd really love, um, to know about it and support it because like, that's the only way that we're going to find new ways to, to, to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think. I think that's the thing, right? Like, um, so many, there are so many ways that our society ebbs and flows. And, and right now, um, because of the financial hit, um, there have been ways that some of these gay bars have kind of like been hit, Mm -hmm. but also there's been like, like our friend Art of Marza, like they've had a lot of success this year. Mm-hmm. And so there have been small queer owned businesses that have like really flourished um, during pandemic. So, so let's, you know, inst- we, we can grieve the loss of that, but then remember that we can still invest in supporting um, queer owned um, businesses. Yeah, Absolutely. We've talked a lot about gay bars as places of fun and belonging. Like I know those are some of the more important aspects of it to you and me, but this is After Dark. What other purposes might somebody have <laughs> in uh, patronizing these fine establishments? Oh my gosh. What are you thinking of right now? Tell me, because your face is dirty, saying... Dirty six. <laughs> One of my favorite things about the bar in Miami was this one um, area of the club where that was all closed off, um, where the guys were giving hand jobs and getting hand jobs, and beautiful. Uh, it was so nice. It was great. I, like I don't know if I've mentioned, maybe I've mentioned this once or twice on the podcast, but it's kind of a well-known thing that um, lesbians often like and i wouldn't even say just lesbians but definitely lesbians um really like gay porn and so to have (laughs) like gay boy porn happening right in front of you in real life is fantastic (laughs) 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 i was like yes no i don't want to touch it but i'll watch that happen um but yeah um definitely some sexy things happening in those spaces for sure. And depending on the gay bar, there can be like more of a tolerance for yeah. like over sexual activity. Uh, if that's not your bag, like there are a lot of gay bars that are on the tamer side, but if you it, are into that sort of thing, like there are bars with, dungeons oh yeah and we love them for it yes yeah for anyone that's 
into the kinkier side of things. Maybe it's, you know, being um, more exhibitionistic or maybe it's just being a voyeur. Um, Mm -hmm. Like there, there are places where you can, and you know, like a lot of times in these spaces, like, like there are um, certain measures taken to, to make sure that everyone is being as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's it's nice to know that these spaces exist. I think it's funny that sometimes people who've never been to these spaces assume that that's what all the gay bars are like. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> the most you're gonna see in a in a popular like larger gay bar is is probably just shirtless men in their potentially in their shorts that look like they're in underwear, like mm-hmm. and some grinding. Like that's that's the most you're gonna. <laughs> gonna see in some of these more popular you know uh gay bars but in in the smaller more niche (laughs) spaces you might see you might get to experience um uh certain things what have been one of your favorite experiences in those niche bars um one time one of these more like extreme kind of kink leather bars i was trying to find the bathroom and instead I found the dungeon. So I was like, okay, I didn't need to go that badly anyway. So I like <laughs> stripped down because it was um, no clothing mandatory. Oh my God, really? Uh-huh. And, you know, didn't something fucking happen. That's crazy. It was great. What do you do with your wallet? Oh, there's like a coat check, but for clothes. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's funny how that's the logistical thing I think of first. <laughs> like, logistically, how do I hand off my things to a safe space? And there are, like, kink accessories, like uh, armbands that you can put money in. Like, if that's oh, your... Shit. If you're, like, a planner uh-huh. and you're going to one of these that's me. kink bars, <laughs> like, intending to go to the sex dungeon, like, that's one way you can... Um, prepare beforehand i actually really enjoy and appreciate that thank you jack Mm -hmm. because i am a very big planner i like to understand everything in advance yeah sometimes i well i'm a cheap queen we talk about that sometimes so i don't want to buy like the expensive kink accessories so sometimes i would just like put cash in my shoe because like even the sex dungeon like I'm I'm putting my shoes back on after I take all my clothes off mm-hmm. because the floor is gross. Oh yeah, that's a good point. And your girl's a little fussy. <laughs> <laughs> I will fuck a stranger in a dungeon, but damned if I'm gonna put my barefoot on a sticky dungeon floor. That's valid. It's about standard. That's valid. <laughs> you know what? You know what I just thought of? Um, uh, spas. Oh yeah, like bathhouses. Yeah, bathhouses. Yeah. 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 We talked about those a little bit in like the the group sex episode, but not a whole lot. No, we didn't. That do are there spaces that are um, definitely considered gay? Like oh, spaces, yeah. like there are bathhouses that specifically cater to gay clientele, and they are basically set up like for you know, casual sexual encounters to happen as part of it. Like the, the steam rooms and the hot tubs and the shower is like, they're there, but 
they're a little bit of an afterthought and they're mostly there to provide different contexts for sex to happen in. Like they're fully glory holes in like every wall or Damn. partition. Damn. It's a beautiful place. I'm so They're turned on place. right now. <laughs> is does it count as objectifying if all I want to do is like it sucks because a lot of those places don't let people like women in or feminine appearing individuals. And I would yeah, some of them totally are like explicitly like transphobic. Yeah. Too. Like only like you gotta have a, a penis to enter. And that that part's gross. Yeah. I just wish I could go. I would totally go and watch. I think there there are some that are more inclusive and that's probably not the sort of thing that you could find on their website, but probably in like Google reviews or like Yelp reviews. Yeah. Speaking of that, like what are the legalities of places like this? Do you know? They're legal if there's like a, a gym, a barrier to entry. Right. Oh, I've heard with some places they need a they need to have like a legitimate business as- associated with it. Um, like that's what um one of our one of our people in our community was saying about Texas that if they had a gym <laughs> that even though the gym was not really used, the gym was the membership. Oh, I think some of them can get around it by. Like being a sort of health club, mm-hmm. like the the saunas are what you're paying the membership fees for. But now that I think about it, a lot of the bathhouses that I have been to, oops, I said I've been to a lot of bathhouses, <laughs> had like, like one sort of, I don't lift things, like a some sort of exercise <laughs> bench. Kind of, it's for... Bench presses is the thing. Oh my god! Oh my god! How mask am I, <laughs> dude? I am such a boner right now. I'm like sitting here trying to like <laughs> reposition without creaking the chair, and I'm like going, "Damn it! How long are we going to talk about this before I get to do it?" And then I realize I can't do it, and now I'm really angry at bathhouses. I need to find an inclusive bathhouse. It's one thing I want to experience. It's like that I can actually do. Korean barbecue, I can't unless I found a find a vegan one. But I want to go to it. <laughs> there are certain things in life that I know that I've ne- that I'm like haven't experienced that I still want to experience while I still appear young. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Bathhouses is one of them, and I want it. To, I want to go by myself, but I also want to go with a friend. I have like mutual feelings on that. Mm. Go with a friend, us part ways and act like we've never seen each other and then leave as friends. Yeah. I think that could be fun depending on the kind of dynamic of the friendship, like uh, friends with benefits. Yeah. Would be great for that. Yeah. Like if you're both hot, young passing, <laughs> young or young passing, <laughs> young or um, young passing. <laughs> If I put enough foundation on and you're far enough away and it's dark enough, I'm young passing. <laughs> um, if you're a couple hot people and you go to a bathhouse and like you're going at it, like you'll draw a crowd. Oh, yeah. Like I've drawn a crowd before and that's fun. Oh, I bet that is fun. When you need 
as much attention as I do, like having to people like a bunch of guys around you like jerking off because you're fucking this guy. It's intoxicating. That is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Like it they, is they just want to be in there. They wish that it was you that they're fucking. But they're not. But they're not. God damn it. I want I want this experience. Yeah, I would live for that. I would love to be the one that's doing the fucking. I would also be love to be the one that's watching. I feel like I feel pretty evenly about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we cover that. I know. <laughs> Just a reminder, y'all. <laughs> what was that? Our voyeurism episode? Yeah, we did an exhibitionism voyeurism. Exhibition voyeurism, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, bathhouses, I think also came up, but yeah, definitely, like, not to this germane extent. to that topic, because it was, it was, like, very liberating walking around the bathhouse naked like mm-hmm. in shoes of course but like <laughs> <laughs> like aqua socks yeah showers, exactly some, some sort of shower shoes and like nothing else uh you can have like a towel around you but also it's like no clothing mandatory shower situation i love that i also think that's like when done safely it's a great way for someone to really explore their sexuality mm-hmm. and figure out like, I, mean, I wish there were spaces like that for, for women that were meant to be, I'm sure there are, but like, um, this dredges up the idea that women are less sexual, mm-hmm. um, which is not true <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, and I think it's why I wish I could be in that space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, is that this this idea of like, like it would be great if there was just a queer period bathhouse experience mm-hmm. um for all like if the abbey decided to be a bathhouse for the night, I would go, you know what I mean, yeah, I think it'd be great for like those of us who are more bipan, yeah, because we've talked on the pod before about how like. Sometimes it's it's hard for a little little bi boy to have like a casual sexual encounter yeah. with a sister trans woman. And if there were like inclusive bathhouses, maybe I had I had a friend would be open. I agree. I agree. I had a friend say to me today actually that um a lot of their queer friends um mostly identify as pan. Mm. Um they're straight. And I was like so interesting. Like I kind of started to think about our community and like, we have a lot of uh, folks in our community who are um, not super comfortable with, with the very hard line of being gay or lesbian. They like the queer label or they like the pan Mm. or bi label and even bi feels constricting to Mm. some people, you know? And uh, it's interesting to think about because, um, his theory was that we are as a society kind of like moving away from our need for hard labels. And, and, and maybe that's true. You know, I've, 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 I've tossed around that idea too, that we had to pass through these hard label times to, to get to a place where we need less hard labels, but we still like labels, i.e. pan. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I agree. I feel like, like for me, someone said this, 
the other day at an event that I went to and it, and it just, it resonated with me so, so much. And I feel like I'm more by now than I ever was um, because I know myself because I've been around um, other um, queer folks um, that I find attractive outside of this limited scope of women or -hmm. feminine women. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of expanded my mindset of like, you know, I actually, I'm more pan than I, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than I than I joked about before and and I feel like if I was given a pass like if Erica was like oh, go have fun for 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 the night or whatever or she was like oh well, let's go have fun together mm-hmm. I could be like I could maybe enjoy trying something out without the worry of it needing to be a relationship <laughs> to get there or like mm-hmm. something like that like and and go oh wow that was a really cool experience for me or oh wow i'm you know i just learned something new about myself you know because yeah. there are some things i haven't done out of pure and utter fear like in my life right like i often joke about but it's real it's real it's real the purity culture effect of me just being afraid of penises like mm-hmm. i think i could overcome that now for sure if i felt like i was given that like that freedom to do that. And I was in a space where I knew I wasn't going to really hurt someone that we were just mm-hmm. enjoying each other. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There definitely needs to be spaces like that. Oh my God. Do we have to start a bathhouse now? I guess so. Shit. All right. Well, let's get a year into the podcast. Then we'll start a lavender mafia bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Would you go to a bathhouse called Lavender Mafia? Yes, you would. Lavender Spa Fia. No. <laughs> we'll workshop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It would need to be like a speakeasy brand. Like you can only get in with certain passwords and it's got like a real big like back alley kind of like entrance do you mm. like how i said the back alley? i love a back alley entrance. <laughs> <laughs> i said it i was setting jack up perfectly it's like there you go i appreciate that <laughs> here is your t-ball on the t here is your bat <laughs> that's a bad analogy because it, when i played t-ball i would miss <laughs> <laughs> got me thinking about this again what do we think about straight people in gay bars oh why did pride get you thinking about this because uh a lot of the discourse around pride every year is like how straight friendly mm. pride parades should be mm. like are they evangelistic like are pride parades supposed to like help us be more included or <laughs> I know gross. Oh my God. What? Gross. I didn't even know this was, a- <laughs> oh, I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. The sort of um, like umbrella of the dis- discourse is like kink at pride question mark. Like how quote unquote family friendly are prides. Okay. So that's be? closely tied to this idea that we're trying to maybe like, convert people into seeing that we're good and we deserve to be here yeah it's fully like a good gaze versus bad gaze sort of thing and the people who want pride 
sanitized are do tend to be like the more palatable, like the church boy gaze, little boring. Yeah, the, the beige gaze instead of lavender gaze. Ew. Ew. Um, my thing is, uh, if if you if you're straight and uh, you want to be in our space, um, just it's it's our space. Just remember that it's our space. Like yeah, you are in somebody else's home. Yeah. So behave yourself. Right. Exactly. And if you can't behave yourself, then get the fuck out. Uh, we'll kick you out. That's 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 it. Um, I think. Um. Don't flaunt your straightness in our face. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, we we support the choice that you're making. Like we don't understand your lifestyle but we we fight for your right to have that but we just don't want to see it yeah just not not right there in our face you know like not in front of the gay beat not in front of the gay children right i i just worry that that like if they saw that that mm -hmm. they that they would think that heterosexuality might be an option for them yeah we just want to give then the opportunity to really grow into the beautiful um, queer children that they are meant to be, you know, and if it's in their face. So just leave your straightness at the door. Yeah, we don't have a problem with straights, just the straight agenda. <laughs> We're joking. We're joking, but also kind of serious. Um, definitely yeah, yeah. have a problem with straight agenda. Um, but yeah, no, like come hang with us, be in our spaces. Like, um, if, if you, you're welcome, that's the thing is we're, we're trying to like Jack and I talk about all the time. We're trying to create spaces where, um, that everyone is welcome, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I know we like to joke when we go to the queer bars, like when we see a lot of straights, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Not this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a really weird experience when we were there at the Abbey. There's the two side. There's like the two sides that are more full, you know, like, um, what's, what's the one side called? I can't remember. The chapel, the chapel, right? This is what was funny. The chapel had lots of gay boys in it. It was packed. Like it was super, super fucking queer. Then we went over to the main side and there, it was at least half straight peeps. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> did we did we did we, did we like segregate ourselves in a gay bar <laughs> all the real gays get over here yeah it was so funny it was so funny the energy and the vibe was so different it was hilarious honestly yeah like we we love allies we really do yeah um but like don't center yourself like maybe only go once in a while or if you're gonna go go with your queer friends yeah go don't go by yourself chaperone. don't go for your bachelorette party please oh, ugh. i hate that shit because then you're treating us like we are the entertainment for you yeah or like a zoo mm -hmm. one of the things that sticks out to me the most about flaming saddles it's how like, especially when I was there in drag. Oh God, I love being in drag uh, in gay clubs. Right. Uh, I would like have to drag the 
straight girls off because they would try to get up on the stage with the dancers. It's like, oh, honey, no, like you're drunk. You you need better friends if if I'm the one having to stop you. Mm-hmm. Valid. It's gross. And they'd be like pawing all over the dancers. It's like, um, honey, you know, that's not going to go anywhere, right? Right. Like, <laughs> Just because he's professional, because he's a professional homosexual, all right? Uh, promosexual, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> They're not always gay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, oh yeah, uh, talking about being in dragon gay clubs. I love how the energy with like the Gogo Boys and me is different. Like they see me as a fellow promosexual, mm. and they like talk shop with me like oh my god this is the 12th time i've had to dance to this song on this shift like it's a it's amazing really it's when you're of, in drag yeah behind the scenes oh like, that's awesome I'll, I'll just i'll just go up to them like give them a couple dollars and say like honey how's the evening going and they'll like spill oh my gosh that's great yeah because drag queens are like this one of the safest like spaces they create some of the safest spaces um, in our community. Like, I feel like it's so often that drag queens um, are the moms of, mm-hmm. like, of the community. You know, like, you just think back on, like, especially I feel like the show Pose did such a good job of, like, showing this, you know. Um, yeah. There are kids that were, were homeless and teenagers runaways you know um i say runaways actually what i mean is they were kicked out of their homes for their queerness and didn't feel safe at home um and they 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 were living on the streets and and because of of drag queens um becoming like creating homes and safe spaces where they could they could stay like um i feel like that's just been historically true the mama bears of our community yeah yeah and like Today, we would say trans women, too. Like, back then, like, the distinction between the That's two true. was not as as clear as it is today. And even today, there are lots of There's also trans who women are who trans are drag queens. Or yeah. Trans women. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I got to, at the Hamburger Mary's, um, one of the, uh, one of my favorite drag queens was um, um, this uh, chick. Uh, her name was uh, Danny Kay. And, uh, and she, I went to her Instagram and it said that, um, she was, she was trans too. And I was just like, I was like, oh, that you are, you are amazing. Like, yes, I followed like right away. I was like, <laughs> I was so stoked. Um, cause that's, that was something I wasn't sure of how to like phrase because like you said, like back in the, um, especially in the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. like there's still not the right terminology for things just yet it was different terminology than we use today yeah yeah exactly less less precise in some unhelpful ways but yeah yeah they just use terms differently like marcia p johnson often described herself as a drag queen and we might see her experience and think like oh i think in some ways that fits the category of trans woman exactly the modern or like the contemporary category of trans women maybe better although we don't want to tell people what box they fit in no totally and i've heard that from 
a lot of a uh, a lot of people that identified as butch women for for decades yeah. um and then realized um you know in their 60s like oh actually i'm i'm binary <laughs> or actually i'm uh, i think i'm i might be like trans binary um like having these having these uh realizations yeah. um there's like there's a really cool article um maybe i'll share it on our social media um a couple of years ago that was just like um really butch history like talking about butch history and showing oh, cool. like all of these different um uh really amazing butch individuals that have are other authors or activists or fashion you know designers or like mm-hmm. you know documentarians like journalists like all of these phenomenal butch individuals and and not everyone identified as a woman, mm-hmm. but maybe they did at some point. Um, and, and then like one of the women, one of the, um, one of the individuals was like, I'm just realizing and being surrounded by all of these different amazing butch humans that I think I'm non-binary. It was a really cool experience because mm-hmm. they were seeing these younger individuals who had more of the, of the language to describe. That's cool. I wonder though, if, some people would find it difficult to be like lumped in with the butch category if they no longer identify as a woman. Yeah. I I think that that's kind of been what's cool is, you know, here's the thing. There are some days that I love the word butch. Mm -hmm. There's some days I really don't. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, true for a lot of people for all different types of terminologies and the way that we describe ourselves. Some days I can imagine that you want to be seen as feminine and some days you're like, fuck femininity and masculinity. Mm, Like only fuck them or only fuck masculine. Right. Right. (laughs) But like, just, I feel constricted by those terms sometimes. And sometimes I feel like it's nice to be able to have something to describe myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that was, at least generally speaking, the kind of experience, especially for the older um, butch folks, Mm -hmm. like that was a a term that that they really, you know, held on to and encompassed and like felt safe in and that it felt more of like a community Mm -hmm. as opposed to a descriptor um, and felt constricting. But yeah, it's it's got to be. Cause like, I mean, like I think of, I think of like Butch Cassidy and like someone who you would think of as like super masculine, um, was a, was a a dude, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's possible to, you know, go from identifying as a woman to identifying as not binary to identifying as a man potentially and still hold on to that. And I think sometimes we have to let go of those things because they just don't fit anymore. Yeah. You know, and that could be a literal transition the way that I just described it, or it could be something like today I want, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying being butch Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Not so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people feel different ways about like if they uh, come to embrace gender diversity can feel very different ways about the sort of gendered terminology or communities they used to, be part of like like you said some people totally okay with it some people like don't feel like they can get far enough away and then like every sort of position in between yeah i feel like for me 
you know, I've talked about this when we talked about our gender early, early on in the episodes when we talked about gender, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a time period, a good chunk of a time period where, um, masculine being hyper masculine being super butch or whatever was like something I felt I needed. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to express myself in like a really like more, more, I don't know if the right way to say this would be like more binary way, like just like super on this masculine spectrum. Like I needed to be expressing that way. Mm-hmm. Um, while also being like not letting people forget that I was a woman, like these two simultaneous things mm-hmm. were super, super important to the point where I didn't do things that I thought were actually still kind of fun. Um, because I, I couldn't reconcile them yet. Like the mm-hmm. wearing makeup or, or wearing jewelry sure. or, or allowing my cleavage to show. And, um, these things for me represented femininity in a way that I couldn't forgive them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then like, um, in meeting other, um, genderqueer folk and like in meeting you and, and like kind of seeing the way people played with gender expression, um, it made me kind of like, it allowed me to kind of take small steps towards like releasing some of what those expectations are. Mm-hmm. So something that I kind of enjoy, I here's here is, is me saying I'm butch. I'm not a huge fan when other people call me butch. I wouldn't want someone else to call me butch. Mm-hmm. Um, and by someone else, I mean like stranger. Like if you called me butch, that's like totally okay. Cause you're my, one of my good friends. I wouldn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, oh, t- it's totally like, it's, it's, it's an acceptable thing for you to name um but um at least in my mind of like trying to pretend that that's happening it feels like okay but for someone who i don't know to say that would be like whoa who do you think you are yeah um but something i enjoy is like expressing more feminine things and still calling myself butch sometimes just like in the same way that i did before um so i don't like the word lesbian for myself But I'm okay with saying butch because it feels like a way of describing who I am. It's a, a way of describing what I look like so that people kind of have a general idea, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I also like that in saying I'm butch, people often think that butch individuals are really hardened or like or badass and like, and like in your face and like, like this like kind of toxic masculinity yeah. definition of butch, right? Mm-hmm. And I like that I kind of break that because yeah. I'm not that. I'm like a total softie. I cry at literally everything. <laughs> um, I'm very in touch with my emotions and mm-hmm. I have a really healthy relationship with communication. Yeah, right? Yeah. And that's like the opposite of toxic masculinity. So I yeah. like that when I call myself butch, it's like showing you that this is what butch can look like too, which is mm-hmm. just a general theme for me. It's like okay. to redefine what people think of as blah, whatever, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Hey, beautiful Lavender Mafiosa babes. As we continue to make fun, sex positive, thoughtful, queer Christian content, we've been blown away by how many of you make listening to us a regular part of your week. It really means the world to us. We appreciate those of you who have been listening regularly as well as you gorgeous babes who have partnered with us on Patreon. There are so many ways that you can come alongside us and support us, but one of the key ways of doing that 
in continuing to do this work is through Patreon. We need the support of our community of listeners to continue doing this work, this amazing work that we're doing. Getting to hear from so many of our listeners how Lavender Mafia has made a difference to you or made you feel like you were just not so alone has meant the world to us. And in the world that we are in right now with so much hurt um, flying at queer and trans folk, it means everything to have voices that are out there, diverse voices. And in order to keep doing this work, we need your support. Not only do we want to be able to continue the podcast, but we want to be able to do even more than that. We want to do Lavender Mafia merch. We want to have a website and an online and in-person community and even some bonus podcast content. And the way we're able to do that is with the support that we get through Patreon. So if the Lavender Mafia has meant something to you, please consider going to patreon.com slash labmafia and sign up to help us keep doing this work. Every little bit helps. Thanks. Well, Jess, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. (laughs) (laughs) Said from my own studio. (laughs) It's time to close down this episode. I think it's funny because I was thinking around like the 45 minute mark, you know, you know, I think we've covered it all. And then, and then you were like, Oh, one more thing. And I was like, I did not expect this to go another 20 minutes. This is after dark. We barely talked about cruising. I know. What the (laughs) fuck? We already talked about the apps though. That's, that's good. I did so much more of my hunting on the apps than in the bars. (laughs) It was fun. Just like go through the bars like a shark. Looking for prey. I missed that. Oh, I loved that when I went to the bar last weekend. That like this one chick was like, because it was right at the. It was the final Sunday of Pride, Mm -hmm. and like everyone was like, "There's this one chick who was like, she was like, she goes, Happy Pride, you look great, dude. Like total other like (laughs) this another uh, another mask friend. Like I should say, yeah." another friend that that was similar to me in like masculine energy and no, you look great, dude. And I was like, thanks dude. (laughs) You know, like happy pride to you too. It was just like, it was like bros complimenting each other. (laughs) It was fantastic. (laughs) I love doing that. But yeah, it, it's been, um, it, I don't know. It's been a really good, I enjoy talking about, I've really enjoyed talking about the ways that we can support and um, and just like entertaining the idea of like what is uh, defined as quote unquote a gay bar. And, um, and I think there are lots of there are lots of other conversations we can have around it. And I'd really love to hear our listeners um, perspective. You know, yeah, what kind of queer safe spaces do you have or do you wish you had in your area? Yes, please share that with us. We would love that. And and I hope that we've created, even in the hour and, and some change, you know, time um, for each episode, I hope we've created a safe space for you to feel like um, you can be yourself in all of your queer glory. Lavender Mafia, the digital gay bar. Yes. Come buy a $14... <laughs> <laughs> drink on our patreon page at patreon.com <laughs> slash that mafia 
come oh to the Lavender Mafia podcast community page on Facebook and do some respectful, consensual cruising. Yes. Oh, please. I would love that. <laughs> also, come check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Lav Mafia, L-A-V-M-F-A-I-A. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like comment on some of our stuff and interact and tell us who you are and introduce yourself. We love getting to know our community that way. Mm -hmm. And if you want to put a couple dollars in our waistbands and my bra, you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash lavmafia and keep this queer space alive and kicking. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, gorgeous babes, be fierce, keep the faith and don't fuck it up. Our amazing music is written and produced by Evan Coles of Springwood Productions. Speaking of Springwood, I just want to thank them for recording, mixing, and producing our audio. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional, and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com. 